hope that all of us, and when you look around this room, I, I hope that we all are spurring each other on to not just know the gospel. I, I'll tell you what, man, I would love nothing more, frankly, than for us to be able to turn back the clock, I don't care how many hundreds of years, when the word gospel wasn't just something that was just kind of white noise, right? The gospel gets mixed up with all kinds of stuff. We think, well, that's a kind of music. Well, it's not a kind of music, right? There's, there's something more. We have, we have slowly devalued what this word, which is simply why men and women who follow Jesus gave their life up for. It wasn't because it's fun to be persecuted. It wasn't because Jesus said, no, when you follow me, I'll give you all the riches in the world. It wasn't because of that. It was simply because of the gospel. It was simply because of this message, this personal message. And we, and we do know it, right? I mean, we, we know most of it as well. Well, Jesus died for us, and he was buried, and he rose again. And, well, he lived perfectly, too, and God sent him down here while we were still sinners. And, and then he died so that we would live a new life. And that's great, except you want to know what? A creed or just information, that's never changed a heart. Right? The gospel is meant to be embodied, right? I mean, this is the thing is, this is my hope, is that everything we view in the world and in the word of God is seen through the lens of the gospel. You know what's the best thing? Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. This is a good thing about the gospel that I really love, okay? When you start saying the best, you know. Here's what I love about it is we live in a world that is constantly reminding us that we aren't safe. And I don't mean just like politically. I don't mean like in the world. I'm talking about just, just in interpersonal relationships as we're constantly being bombarded is you really aren't safe. You really aren't ready. You, you don't have enough money for retirement. You don't have enough uh, friends. You don't have enough real friends. You don't, you know, your job is always like on the line is, is we have a world. And you know what the gospel saying is, no, 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 here's the deal is you are safe. You're absolutely safe. All right. That's so important. To remember is that he's going, hold on a minute, listen, don't panic by what you see. Because what matters more than anything has already been taken care of, okay? So hopefully as we read the Bible, we read it through the lens of the gospel, through the good news, through this call. And again, it's going to take some time. It's taking me time to really embody the gospel and not just go, well, no, I know the answer to that, right? It's interesting because we've talked about this as in Christ. Now, that's important two words to start this out, okay? In Christ, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more than he does right now. And there's nothing I have done that will make him love me less. And if you haven't written that down and looked over it and studied it and meditated on it and challenged it, you could, just because the preacher said it doesn't mean it's right. I mean, just because I put it up there, you're like, that doesn't mean that you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's perfectly right. Man, this is about being and going, wow, you mean, you mean in Christ, there is nothing I can do that can make, Ben brought this up earlier. What this tells me is, as a disciple, every minute and every second and every whatever amount of time, I am as close to God as I ever will be. All right, that's a good place to be because a lot of times we get taught, no, 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 really you're far from God. 
And you better start working at it to make him like you and love you and accept you. Okay. And so this is just one. I just want to remind us of this. Okay. That the starting point for a disciple has to be closeness, not distance. And I'll bet you all of us, there's probably some stuff deep down that we're going, you know what, though? There's fuel, though, in your spiritual life when you think you're at a distance because don't you feel so much better when you start performing better? Right? You start going, well, man, I've had a great week of quiet times. Man, God is, I feel so free because he loves me now. Man, I've had a really bad week. Man, I really got to get, this week's got to be different. I got to get back into his love. Okay? That's, there's a very fine line there. I just want us, we got to think about this. This isn't things I'm just kind of laying on you. Okay? But here's the big thing is, is if I'm not in Christ. We can't forget about this. This is the message. I think some of the things that we get fooled in our world is, well, man, we're all like religious good people. Most of the people you know are probably religious and good people. A lot of people Jesus knew were religious and good people. All right? And we can never neglect and go, oh, oh, because we can't, because of the gospel, man, we should just all come together and sing kumbaya. But, but that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is like, no, let me help you. Because I can't tell you, if there is one entity in our world that is baffling to humanity, it's the, it's the Christian religion. Believe me, other religions and atheists alike, they, they think, hold on a minute. If it's such good news, how come they behave that way? How come they hate? It's baffling to go, if it's such good news, how come we see Christians treating people this way or being just plain hypocritical? All right, this is baffling to the world, okay, because the gospel has to be conveyed and communicated clearly and has to be communicated from our lives. And there are folks that we're close to that, that may have been sitting in a church their whole lives and has never, ever once said, no, I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm going to be baptized in his name, and I'm going to follow him. Not because I want to get close to him, but because of the gospel. Because of what it means. Because the gospel does tell us that when when you felt you're most worthless, God says, I want you. So that's what I'm going to tell you. If you aren't in Christ, or if you think, man, I don't know if I've ever just been absolved of my sin and washed in his blood. I'm going to tell you, don't stop anything today until you sit down with somebody and find out and study this out, okay? Because as good a news as the gospel is, it's pretty painful to know it from a distance and go, but I never made Jesus Lord. Could you imagine if, I can't tell you the number of people I've known that when the gospel, when when I'm able to, or a friend or somebody proclaims the gospel and they say, you know what? No one's ever shared that with me before. Because we live in this kind of like satanic thing of Satan going, hey, don't ever bring, I know it's good news, but don't offend people with the gospel. Really? Like what other good news do we use that for? Like what other good news do we use that for? We're like, listen, Jody, I know Sue bought the winning lottery ticket, but it will offend her if you tell her. You're like, well, you're crazy. What good news do we say that about, okay? But let's not be fooled into thinking, well, the good news, man, that's excellent. Now, let me not be offensive to anybody. I'm like, no, Jesus was like, no, this is so great. Everyone needs to know it. And not just know it, but let's help one another embody it. 
All right, that's what's so crucial about this, okay? Just, you may think, well, but I go to church, I don't follow a false, false gospel, right? I think almost everybody would say that. I mean, you'd have to be kind of a little bit off your rocker, right? If you were like, no, I follow false gospels, all right? I don't think anybody would admit it, but you want to know what? Isn't it, it's easy to drift into it. I'm going to tell you that. It's easy to drift into a false gospel, a consumeristic gospel, right? This is like a huge one. And I'm just putting this up here because I just want you to put your heart in front of this. Is this idea of, man, if, if I do this, God will give me something. Like something's wrong when God doesn't give me good things. That something must be wrong with God. Or something's wrong with me. Or my performance. Or something like that. And they're going, no, no, that's somebody who, they, they, we don't want Jesus when we're a consumerist. We want things from Jesus. See the difference? That's a very fine line of idolatry right there is wanting the things from Jesus, but I don't really need you, Jesus. All right? That's a false gospel. Competitive, right? It's like, I need to know who's worse than me, and I need to know who's better than me. Comparative, right? This is really what we all, hopefully, it's it's the classic question, right? If we ask, well, hey, could you list five things you need to work on? And you're going, right, give me some time. I'll think about that. But if I were to go, hey, let me pick someone in here and give us five things you think they need to work on. And a lot of times we're like, okay, yeah, I know that. I know what Flipsky needs to work on. I know what Rich needs to work on. These are just like, well, easy question right there because there's a comparativeness, which is like, man, I need to know where everyone else is falling short to have any kind of self-worth, right? Always working to get closer. That's a false gospel. It produces pride and insecurity. Either I'm, doing, I'm performing really well. That's a false gospel. And now I'm awesome. And everybody should be like me. Or I'm not doing that great. And I'm really getting ticked off at people who look like they're doing well. And I'm all insecure. And they're probably not even doing that well. You ever had those conversations before? In your head? Because it's a constant battle to make something of me. Really, Jesus has been removed from the equation, right? Self-centered. I, I, it's that idea, if because I want something, God must want it too. Right? Because we're righteous in him. So if I, it's because I want it that he must want it as well. And my acceptance is based on performance. If I do this, God will love me more. Okay, These are all false gospels. I want you to write it down, what yours is or what your hybrid is or something. Because here's the truth is, is if we start, follow, we will follow the gospel we believe. We certainly will. All right, and, and I know for me, it is, it, it's one of those things where without looking into it in my own heart, boy, it, it's easy to get off track and go, but no, I'm good. Be, because I go to a church that teaches the right things in the Bible. But, but here's one of the things that's pretty clear is, is I don't get to stand in front of Jesus and take all y'all's faith as my own. I don't get to go, what do you mean all the rest of the Clemson Foothills Church got in? What about me? He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You you missed how it works. I'm not judging you on like this group effort. Like I'm, you needed to follow the gospel I preached. Right? 
So I don't even know what to call what we're going to talk about, okay? I, I feel like what I shared last week, I don't know, confessions of a performance addict. Maybe that's just what this should be, right? It's this idea of, you know, it's kind of like when you know things for a lot of years. You know things about yourself, but there's no real reason to change, right? And, uh, and then it's really amazing that God continues to be like, no, I'm going to keep telling you and talking to you and putting you in situations that uh, your heart is going to be softened and open, or you can just dig your heels in, all right? And I feel like, man, that's really been my journey. I think talking to some of you, that's been your journey too, right? Is this idea of, man, it's really easy to equate Christianity with performance addiction, like how I perform. And you know what? Again, as I said before, I think maybe the most devious thing about that is, is Jesus doesn't even need to be part of our faith. We just kind of plug him in there just in case. Okay. When what we need more than anything is, is this, is not more things from Jesus, more blessings from Jesus, more favor from Jesus. We don't, that's not what we need is we need more Jesus. That's what I need more of is, is like, if that's the only prayer that ever gets answered, there's no more fulfillment than being in Jesus. There's no more than, than this. And he, and, and so in, in this confession of a performance addict, okay, this confession of a, uh, of this little piece of this false gospel, there, there's this thing right here that stands out to me. I'm going, well, but that's such a huge undertaking. Like, how do I just, like, change my think? This is huge. Like, working from a distance from God and, and, and wanting to perform well and wanting to have approval from God and wanting to have blessings from God. And here's the thing that I see over and over and over again is this is kind of like a first step for the most part. And don't quote me on that. You may go, well, no, actually, Keith, there's another first step. I'm like, that's great if there's, I'm saying this has got to be one of the early ones is embracing humility embracing humility. There's a word that we throw around an awful lot, and it's usually about other people. You're prideful. That, that was the go-to kind of one another verse, right? <laughs> you remember that? It's if in doubt, just say you're prideful. Brilliant. No kidding. It's like going into the doctor, and they go, you're sick. Wow, I paid you for that? That's a $20 copay? You went to medical school for that? No kidding. I'm not well. All right? Let's stop that, okay? We throw this word around, and sometimes we embrace it, or we'll say this, and I've said this, and it's cringeworthy. Man, I'm just prideful. When I think of how God talks about pride, that should never come out of my mouth flippantly, ever. There's very few things that God says, I will oppose you because of your pride. Okay? And it becomes so flippant, right? Isn't it so easy? Well, I'm just prideful. R- really? Like, like, I can't think of anything worse to be. In the world, I can't think of anything worse to be. But it's become just kind of that word we've lost, or, or you're prideful. Listen, you need to get better. You're prideful. It's literally the same thing as going when I was an athletic trainer. Okay, let's say Murphy comes in. She's made this superior play in softball, right? She slid into first when no one else would have. And, 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 and she comes in to the training room. She's like, my ankle hurts. And I would have said, you're injured. Great. How does that help me? 
Well, I'm a trainer. I was, I'm specially trained to tell you that. You're injured. Uh, but what do I do now? Like, thank you, Captain Obvious. But what do I do now? Far too often we think that that's like pleasing to God. Just go, you know what? You're prideful. You're prideful. You go, okay, great. Thanks. Again, let's help each other out. Okay? Let's go. Hold on a minute. Let's embrace humility. Like, let's help to do that, all right? Rather than just, like, throwing this out, this word. Because I think when we embrace humility, it opens a door to to two things that I think everyone wants. Peace and freedom. I think everyone wants that. I think that's one of the... Jesus came, and, and he said, here's what I came for, to release the captives. So you aren't enslaved anymore. I, I think we are in, this world is in short order of peace, right? It's almost like, gosh, it's, it's just a scary place to be. I do feel like I have to have a couple of disclaimers as we dig into this, okay? Humility does not always mean you fall on your sword, okay? And, and, and yeah, 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 that's what that is. You're going, what is that, okay? I want to, listen, we have to, we, we have got to understand what it is and what it isn't, okay? What does it mean to fall on your sword? That may be like a, a 1980s thing, okay? It's just this guy of like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just fall on my sword and die. You win. Like there's no confrontation whatsoever. I might even be right, but I'm going to fall on my sword. And in our world, we would go, man, that guy's really humble. Let's not define something in a way that God doesn't define it in that way. Let's be really clear about that, okay? Because just because we say it's humility does not make it godly humility, all right? Being humble oftentimes is being able to communicate something without defensiveness and without anger, okay? In a way that is like, well, no, actually, I shouldn't fall on my sword right now, and here's why. Now, can we have a humble conversation about that? All right. Here's what I think, men, like the ladies, y'all can even cover your ears on this one. Okay, guys do this too much, man. You do it too much and you think it's a manly quality. Oh, man, we see it on TV. Oh, man, you know what? Wrong again. My wife's always right. I'm stupid. Boy, I'm an idiot. Golly, I can't believe how what a moron I am. You want to know what? If anyone says that's humble, please walk away from them. I'm I'm not kidding you. Okay, because two things happen. Number one, it has nothing to do with the gospel. And number two is if you think that it's making your wife proud of you, you're ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I love that guy. He says I'm always right. He is an idiot all the time. He is wrong. It doesn't make you look good. Let me tell you, it doesn't make God look good. All right, if the Holy Spirit is in you and you're wrong all the time, something's wrong. All right, if you're that scared to lead, all right, get help from somebody. But this has got to stop. Okay, we, and, and, and what I'm doing is, is hopefully injecting you into finding out as we explore this, what is true humility? And it isn't this, okay? It's not incompetence either, okay? You go to a surgeon, Surgeon removes your stomach instead of your gallbladder, right? And he says, man, let let me be open with you. I've done that 10 times this week. (laughs) And you would go, that dude is so humble. (laughs) I am so glad I have that surgeon. 
because he is so humble. Gosh, that's great. You know, you have a you have a guy and he crashes a plane. He says, man, you want to know what? Guys, I'm the worst pilot in the world. I've crashed five times this week. You'd go, I'd fly with that guy anywhere because he is so humble. No, 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 no. He's incompetent. There is a fine line between humility and incompetence. Okay. Far too often as disciples, we're scared to be competent as disciples because we're afraid we're going to go, man, why aren't you more humble? Confidence is not arrogance. If you've laid your life down for everything, all right, you don't have to try to convince everybody, man, let me tell you how horrible I am. I don't do any, seriously, I don't do anything right. Like, wow, that guy's awesome. He's so humble. Like, come on, man. It's a smokescreen. You don't even believe that. All right? Humility and incompetence are not the same. Let's be careful. Let's call it what it is of saying, you know what? I did this, and I, man, I need to be open because that's a modicum of humility. But here's the truth of the matter is I'm just plain incompetent. And I need help with that, okay? Humility is not apathy. It's not, well, I just didn't try. That's not humility. Don't call it humility. You didn't try. Oh, man, you know what? I just want to be open with you. I haven't had quiet time in four years. Go, wow, that church leader is awesome. Man, he really lives by the gospel. He is so humble. No, it's plain apathy. And sometimes what ends up happening is this false sense of humility. We sit around patting each other on the back and we're going, hold on a minute. Where's Jesus as Lord here? Like, where's the Holy Spirit coming out of you? Right? I'm just saying that in the beginning because I think that humility has been hijacked. And so it's like unless we verbalize how horrible we are and how incompetent we are and how apathetic we are, everyone's just going to go, you want to know what, dude? You are so arrogant. Oh, man, I don't see that in the Bible. I see confident men and women saying, man, I'm laying my life down. And I am going to live the scriptures out. And no, it's not going to be perfect all the time. But if all the testimony you have is your incompetence and apathy, that says nothing about God. It says more about us. Is hey, if you can, I really wish you'd think I'm humble. There's the, you want to know the best way for people to think that me and you are humble? To be humble. Like, that's the best way. Don't, don't try to, like, you know, chess game it. Like, well, if I say this and do this and over here, then they're going to think I'm humble. I'll bet you anything when we become humble, we don't have to tell anyone that. It's really amazing, okay? So I just, that's just kind of starting it out right here. This is kind of like the key verse for me. Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul writes, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Right there, man, splashed on the front page is this gospel. Worthy of what life you've been called to. This, this news that is so incredible that if you put up to every decision in every moment of your life, it would give you clarity in how to live, is this idea of the creator of the universe saying, you want to know what, dude? I know you're all messed up and you don't get it and all that kind of stuff, but I want you following me and I will cleanse you to follow me and I will be with you and give you things that you don't even have right now to follow me. He says, because of that, live worthy of that. Be completely humble. 
I've had a number of conversations this year so far. People go, man, I'm kind of bored of the New Testament because I hear it so much. It's so like, I'm so used to it. I need to go find something else. I'm like, like you've nailed this already? Like you've nailed this one? Dude, I'm so completely humble and gentle that, that I've got to go find like some Old Testament to help me out here. Like this is just pedestrian. This is so boring. The New Testament, I'm being completely humble. Oh my goodness, I was there two years ago. This is so easy, right? <laughs> I'm going, wow, man, this is hard. But it's this thing of going, do you want to know what? That's what the gospel calls me. That's what the God, you want to hear what's better. This is what the gospel says, Keith, it's safe to be humble. Like, here's what I would normally say talking about humility. Be careful when you teach about humility because you know what God does. I've said that a ton. Like, I've preached that a ton. Like, that was like the joke is, well, you know, when we start talking about humility, you know what God does? Kind of like he's like this circus performer. He's going, oh, look, 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 Jordan. She's talking about humility. Watch this. Let me humiliate her now. Does that sound like the gospel? Does that sound like the gospel? Oh, great. They're talking about humility. They better be scared to talk about humility in my presence. He's going, no, no, it's safe to be humble. It's safe to be humble in the gospel. It's safe because God's going, I got you. Here's the deal, though, is, is, is if I'm going to and if you're going to. I think it's safe, okay, without you just saying that dude just, just judging me. I think it's safe to say there's some work to be done in our humility. Can we agree on that, okay, without just going, how dare he say that? He doesn't know my heart. Okay, I don't. I'm just like throwing it out there. If you're completely humble, you would forgive me right now, okay? So just remember that. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, we talked last week about being filled and overflowing. This is one of the practicals for me that I'm learning and having to put into practice. I got to get stuff emptied out. There's some junk inside of me that's got to be emptied out in order for me to embrace humility. All right, it, it just is. There's a lot of Keith, all right? In this, in this one-gallon jug, there's a whole lot of Keith that needs to be emptied out, okay? There really is. And Murphy's going, that is so gross. It's <laughs> so gross. But in Philippians 2... Uh, Paul writes, he says, listen, make your own attitude that of Jesus Christ. This may be the second easiest scripture in the New Testament right here, right? I mean, outside of being completely gentle, now have the same attitude as Jesus. All right, you got it. He was existing in the form of God, and he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, Jesus himself emptied himself. The, the word is like made void, made note like it, like it was... Like, I got to get rid of all of this. Is that a good ministry standard, do you think? Like, Jesus going, hold on a minute. I'm trying to build my church. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to empty myself of all my equality with God. Wow. But you know what he's saying? He's like, no, no, no. Hey, guys, me and you, we got to empty ourselves. I know we think that we have these strengths, and you go, but this strength really helps advance the gospel. Empty yourself of it. Listen, God will work to enhance the strengths that we think we have. Okay? He's fully in control of those if we let him. All right? But this idea of, of, man, am I serious? And I found out the answer oftentimes is I'm not really serious about being like Jesus in this way.
Like, let me empty myself. In fact, the performance addict in my head says, no, actually, I need to, like, fill myself up more of the good part of Keith. Like, there's good parts of Keith, right? Amen? No. <laughs> and Jessica still didn't say amen. She was like, ah, you're not going to trick me with a forced amen. <laughs> but it's that idea of, of, no, there's some good things. I need to be filled with that. No, actually, I don't need to be. I need to be emptied so God can have total control over whatever he wants. Okay? This is just something to be serious about. These are the things, that, this is just my own list. James 1 and Colossians 3, if you can't read that, um, it, it says get rid of. This is just like this. This is the low-hanging fruit, just so we know. Get rid of the moral filth if it's in your house, if it's in your phone, if it's in your computer, if it's in your behavior, if it's in your lifestyle, if it's in that. Hey, man, get rid of the moral filth. All right, he says that's got to be emptied out. So you got to know, is that, what's that, is there like a scum layer of moral filth that we're hanging on to? Okay, he says you've got to get rid of that. This is an easier one, though. Bitterness, anger, rage, malice. That's Ephesians 4.31. I didn't even make that up. Right, he says you've got to get rid of this stuff. That's easier said than done, right? That gives us all the excuse in the world because it's easier said than done. That's why we don't have to be serious about it. Because Jesus got angry. Right? And he says, just in your anger, don't sin. So that means that I can be angry all the time. Or a lot of the time or some of the time. But it's like, these are just, this is the low-hanging fruit. I'm just kind of asking you. I gave you some cards. You can write down your thing and just put it in your Bible and be be really focused on what needs to be emptied out of my life what am i kind of hanging on this kind of bubbling in there right is it moral filth is it bitterness is it anger is it rage to go you know what that's gotta go like i've got to actually let that go what does that have to do with humility well what pride says is you're you're angry about things that you think you must have in your life to be fulfilled and when you don't get those, it makes you angry. Anger is about fear. Something's happening that I don't like, so I'm going to get angry. He's like, no, dude, you've got to let that go because in humility of going, God, you got me. It's safe for me to be humble. It's safe for me to let this stuff. It's safe for me to not get angry. It's okay. But if I don't get angry, they're not going to understand what I'm talking about. They'll understand what you're talking about. It's amazing the hard talks Jesus had without getting angry. Isn't it? I mean, these are just things that I'm just, I'm, I'm floating out there. You're going to go, all these aren't your thing. I'm talking about let's embrace humility, though. I'm going, man, if I'm going to embrace humility, you know, these things have got to, like the Bible clearly is just saying, dude, you got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah. Like it's got to be gone. But it's hard. I know it's hard. All right? But that doesn't mean that we don't make every effort. That doesn't mean that we don't live a life worthy. We're going, but because of the, it is hard. But because of the gospel, it's possible. It is hard, but because of the gospel, that's a, that's a whole different thing. Okay? If I look at a job and go, oh, that's so hard. It's just drudgery to do the job. But when there's good news, then it's like, you mean, you mean the benefit is more good news? More God, more Jesus by getting rid of this. Not to get him to like you more, but just enjoying him more, okay? Here's some other ones. 
ever been defensive? <laughs> these, are, these are crimes of passion right here, okay? I mean, defensiveness isn't oftentimes thought out unless you're a lawyer, okay? But usually defensiveness is a crime of passion. It's like something happens and boom, it, it's on right there. Because who are we defending usually? Right, okay, right. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's, here's this idea of, you want to know what? I got to continue to say, Keith, you got to get rid of that, dude. That, that is not about embracing humility. Keith, you gotta, you got to let it go. But it's hard. I know it's hard. But the gospel is so much greater. Yes. All right? That, that hanging on to defensiveness, you want to know what it was? You want to know what it does? It just, it, just, it just has this emotional block from me and God. We can do this sometimes, right? Protect our reputation to prove ourselves to others. Like, like you got to know that I was a really great baseball player in high school. Like, th- believe me, that would make my life so much better if you knew how good I was. <laughs> if I wore my high school jersey, would you be totally pumped about that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? You'd go. You know, and it's this idea of, man, if I could just prove myself to people and prove my worth and prove my reputation... Think, oh, what are people thinking? I said that, and it wasn't perfect. And what are they? Dude, dude, let it go. Empty, empty yourself of. That doesn't mean you can't have some great memories. That's awesome. Have great memories. Enjoy things for what they are. Thank God for what they are, right? But we're trying to find worth oftentimes when we're, when we're embracing pride. We're trying to find worth in something that's not Jesus. We got to just, listen empty like empty myself that might be your thing you're like i'm just about protecting what everybody sees me as right and and it's really interesting the more people you add to your family the harder this becomes all right you you add a wife becomes difficult because you're like okay hey there's somebody else i gotta we gotta really look good you add kids hey kids you better behave (laughs) we gotta really look good all right and all of a sudden we have just left humility in the dust, right? Being offended, empty of opinion. I mean, even, you know, the opinion of whatever, you, you know, whatever elected official you think is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Okay, and I know everyone's got an opinion about the founding fathers and about the 14th president and about the Sixth Amendment, and we have all these opinions. That, man, we're going to put our flag in the ground. I'm saying let's get emptied of that. I'm not saying it's not important. The gospel's more important. Let's be emptied of that, of just opinion, right? Of my plans. This is a tough one right here. It's like, oh, okay, God, see, what you want for me is exactly what I want for me. I want season, free season passes to Disney. I want, I want a job that pays my, uh, you know, excessively pays me. That I'm able to get really great cars and a really great house and a really great place and be able to go and do whatever I want to do. And since that's my plan, that's your plan too. That's interesting because none of the early followers of Jesus, that doesn't seem to be the pattern. I think Peter had a different plan for his life. I think Stephen had a different plan for his life. I think Paul had a different plan for his life. The gospel says it's safe to not have your own plan. The gospel says, you want to know what? It's, that plan is not going to be ultimately fulfilling to you. Okay? 
It's just the, the gospel is telling us it's safe to empty ourselves of this. I like this one. You say something, and you're like, that was so good what I just said. That advice I gave was so awesome. But, I mean, God made me say it, right? I mean, we know the disclaimer. But internally, this is something that can be real. And I go, man, that was, golly. When I studied the Bible with that guy, that junk was awesome. Like, I had all the answers right there, man. It was It was phenomenal, you know, and I'm just so proud of my own cleverness. Like, oh, my goodness, man. Really, it's almost like, thank God that Jesus has me. I'm just saying you got to kind of throw it against the wall and see if it sticks for you. I'm saying that one sticks for me. All right, it's very easy for me to go, man, I am really something. I am really something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even hear that, Jody. <laughs> Here's another thing to empty ourselves up talking. Where words are many, sin is not far. There is nothing that builds a protective wall in front of me or you than our words. But what if somebody misunderstands me? If it matters that much, they'll ask you. But what if somebody think, but, but if they don't think, what if they don't think that my family's a really great family? I, I can't control that. I've got to embrace humility. I've got to make Jesus Lord and follow the gospel. But, but what if this person thinks that I, my words can't be the thing that is the defensive wall for everybody to be proven, right? Is, is it's better to, let's listen more and talk less, I think, is really the embracing humility, right? Is this idea of going, man, let me, let me talk less, but they're not going to understand me. Well, maybe they'll ask a question for me to clarify. Let me entrust myself to God. Let me entrust my reputation to God. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe people have a weird feeling about me because there's something that God wants me to change, and I've got to stop defending that. All right? Th- this is something, let's empty ourselves. All of us, we talk too much. I learned this as a parent, man, as my kids get older, isn't it? Controlling circumstances. If I could just control some things, then my kids are going to be fine. If, as long as the teacher is perfect and all the kids behave in class and no one bullies and everybody doesn't bring peanuts in their lunch <laughs> and, you know, and, and all this stuff, then my kids, they're going to grow up and love Jesus. There was a really cool quote. So years ago, um, there was a quarterback for University of Texas named Colt McCoy. All right. And he got hurt in the national championship game. And, and he was really kind of known. He was pre-Tim Tebow for the most part, okay, except without all of the pomp and circumstance and fanfare and all those things. Um, but the thing about it is, is they asked his dad, like, how, how did he stay so composed? I mean, he got hurt in the national championship game. How did he compose himself like that? What did you do as a parent was the question. Like, how did you do that? He said, here's one of the things I've learned to do. Prepare your child for the path, not the path for your child. But, but isn't it much better to go, hold on a minute, let me get that path smooth. Like, my kid's going to walk anyway. Let me make sure there's no rocks or cliffs or dangers or anything like that. Because if there isn't, then they'll love Jesus so much. we got to empty ourselves of that. Let's prepare our children for the path, not the path for our children. And it's hard, isn't it? I mean, listen, as my kids get older, it gets hard because I don't want my kids hurt. 
I don't want my kids to go through hard times. I don't want my friends to go through hard times. I don't want my family members to go through hard times. I want to do everything I can to keep that from happening because the truth of the matter is we all became disciples because life was perfect, right? Isn't that true? I mean, how many people do you talk to that didn't go, man, I realized I had nothing without Jesus. And it was this hurt, and it was this obstacle, and it was this thing, and it was this person, and it was this circumstance that opened my eyes. And we're going, but if my kid's path or my friend's path or my family's path or my boyfriend's path is perfect, then they'll love Jesus. And that just doesn't make sense. We've got to empty ourselves. Boy, it's scary. The gospel says it's safe to do that. It's safe to do that, okay? And there's fruit that comes from this. There's fruit with going, oh, I've got to empty this stuff out. I need to embrace humility. I need to embrace this. There's a stimulation of a hunger for the word of God. I've gone, if I empty myself of all of that, what do I have left? I have the word of God. God, what do you say about you? What do you say in your word? Because that's what I'm trusting. Who do you say you are? Because that's what I have to trust. I can't trust me anymore. This strips us naked. And going, this is, I got to trust you because I have nothing else. I'm not defending myself anymore. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not trying to prepare the path for everybody anymore. I'm just actually helping people with your word walk the path, regardless of anything that happens. I'm losing control. This stimulates this hunger to go, God, I have to hear from you or I'm lost. Okay? Whoops. It produces teachability. Uh, You know, that's a command. You know, if you just go, Baxter, be teachable. Everybody jumps in line on that one, huh? Everyone loves to be told to be teachable. You know what you need? Be teachable. And you would be if you were humble, but you're not because you're prideful. Boy, there's a D time right there, isn't it? I mean, that's like, woo, we just nailed it. (laughs) All right? We did the three. I had the Holy Trinity of discipling times, right? I said all the words, all right? But here's the deal is, is you know what? Humility to the gospel produces teachability. Because, man, I'm not as clever as I thought I was. I'm not as as great as I thought I was. That doesn't mean my self-worth is low because the gospel says your self-worth is higher than you can imagine. What you're worth is the blood of Jesus, okay? This isn't a self-esteem thing. This is a true thing of going, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not as great as I think I am. And God is more powerful than me. And he does know how to change hearts, and I don't know how to change hearts. And he does know how to give the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how to give the Holy Spirit. And he does know how to inspire through his blood, and I I can't do that, all right? There's something about just going, man, I just want to be taught. I just want to learn from my Bible and be inspired by my my brothers and sisters. Again, it requires us faith and dependence on God. It requires us to listen to him. These are the things, the fruit of embracing humility, the fruit of this one little step of embracing humility. We we haven't even scratched, scratched the surface of humility, We've had this one little tiny flake of embracing humility through emptying ourselves. This is the fruit of that. This isn't doing it because someone told you you have to do it. This isn't doing it because you were ordered to do it. This is doing it because you're like, wow, this makes the most sense. This is the wisest thing, the best thing. In fact, it would be foolish for me to do anything else in light of the gospel. This is the fruit of that, that I hope we continually just 
dive into more and more, okay, that we produce more and more of this fruit. What do I have for you? Some of you have done this before. We've done this in the past periodically, what we call 30 for 30, okay? The best thing I feel like I can do and the best thing I can encourage you to do is to get into the Word of God and put your heart smack dab up against it and let God work. There is no substitute. There is no sermon that can equal the power of us coming in contact with the Word of God and applying our hearts to it. There is no preacher that has the power to do that. But if you go, Keith, I don't have 30 minutes to look into the Word of God this week. I don't have 30 minutes to meditate. I don't have 30 minutes to sit still. I don't have, here's what I have to say. Listen, we're too busy not to do this. We are too busy not to do this, okay? What's 30 for 30? It's take 30 minutes and this section of scripture, this is two verses of just praying, thinking, questioning, asking, writing down 30 thoughts. It doesn't have to be 30 things you learned. 30 thoughts. It may be thought questions about your own heart. 30 things in 30 minutes, and and you hit the start button, okay? And when you think you've exhausted everything, and you've got like 22 things, and you look at your clock, and you're like, there's still 25 minutes left. (laughs) And there's only eight more things, and I got nothing. That's the best place to be. Because here's the deal is, you've got to exhaust all the right answers you think you've learned. You exhaust it, and then it comes down to just you. The real stuff after that, the scary stuff, the stuff that hopefully you hear the gospel saying, it's safe to come out with that stuff. Listen, it's safe, but what will people think? Who cares what people think? Because God is saying, I've already told you what I thought. That's what my gospel is telling you. It's safe to come out, but I don't want to admit this. It's safe to do that. But what will people say? Who cares what people say? Right? It's taking 30 minutes and writing this down. And, and secondly, is sitting down with someone and going, let me show you what I got. This is what's happened to me over 30 minutes. Let me share these things with you. And do less talking and more listening. What do you think? Now, what my suggestion would be is, is find somebody else who's taking it as seriously. Okay? Because it becomes kind of like, wow, this exercise kind of loses. And all it is is an exercise. That's all it is. It's not a miracle thing. Well, Keith, I did 30 for 30. How come I didn't win the lottery this week? I did 30 for 30. How come I'm not married? I did 30 for 30. How come I'm not whatever? I did, I did it. How come I didn't get more? My boss didn't give me a raise. I did it. It's not a magic potion. It just isn't. It's not a magic potion. All right? It's getting us in line with the gospel. I would encourage you, even with these cards, write down. What are, what are your first instincts of what needs to be emptied? And then trust the gospel enough to sit down with two other people and go, would you add anything to this list? Not because that becomes the truth, but it might need to be considered, right? It might need to be considered of going, hey, write down what you think I should empty out. All right, because the gospel is saying, dude, you can do that. It's safe to do that. All right, because your reputation isn't on the line. This is about the gospel, embracing humility. And like I said, just one small little speck of that is us going, you know, Jesus emptied himself. 
man, there's a whole lot of me that needs to be emptied in order to really have the fruit of humility, of teachability, of joy and peace and freedom, right? Everyone here is capable of that, all right? Let's do it and spur one another on. How about that? Let's pray.